Haskell Leadership Podcast with Jeff Barton. Well, hello there from City Airport, Belfast. One of the great things about my role, and it is a privilege, is I get to talk to school and college leaders about the kind of the day-to-day nitty-gritty stuff all the time. But I also get to have a kind of overview of education, to look down upon education in the sense of looking at what's happening in Wales and England, how that's different from what's happening in Scotland and how that in itself is different from what's happening in, say, the Isle of Man or the Channel Islands or, in this case, Northern Ireland. And Northern Ireland's got the most extraordinary context. It's got a pretty fragmented education system in all kinds of respects. You've got selection, you've got different denominations of schools, you've got integrated schools as well, you've got a funding crisis like we have everywhere else. You've also got political deadlock, um, an absolutely paralysed political system which causes huge problems. Put all those things together and what you might expect is a pretty demoralised set of school and college leaders who are coping also with industrial action in the classroom that's making life difficult in terms of just monitoring and evaluating the impact of work. So that's why I've come across and spent two days here in Northern Ireland meeting members, visiting their schools, talking to them about the issues and again what it reminds you of is just how much we've got in common in different parts of the UK rather than how much might separate us. My interview starts with our regional officer, Robert Wilson. Driving along the A2 here at the moment, along the North Down, um, County Down coastline, this is sometimes referred to as the Golden Mile or Miles. It's a fairly affluent suburb of Belfast. So later on this morning, we're going, first of all, to Priory College. Priory College is an 11 to 18 non-selective school and uh, it's had a history of it's it's changed its characteristics a number of times it started out originally as hollywood high school it's now a controlled integrated school and we're looking forward to meeting uh, some of our ASCO members uh, in priory and then later on we'll be heading to strathern school in east belfast strathern is a fairly large uh, all girls selective grammar school in a lovely new building and we're looking forward to seeing uh, the school under the leadership of Nicola Connery. Later on tomorrow we'll be visiting um, Lagan Integrated College. Lagan College was the first integrated school in Northern Ireland. It's a very heavily oversubscribed school in East Belfast and uh, it has um, a selective and a non-selective and non-selective streams and our current Askell Northern Ireland president Amanda McNamee is principal there. Very good. Just to, to clarify, when you talk about in integrated school, that's a, a term we don't really use uh, in, in England I suppose. Just just uh, remind us what that means. Well, the controlled schools are essentially state schools and are therefore uh, open to all faiths and none. But about 20 years ago, a deliberate move was made by some parents to create what are known as integrated schools, where there would be a deliberate effort for children from uh, Catholic and non-Catholic backgrounds to attend. So most integrated schools would actually have a quota of um, uh, admissions, so a certain percentage from the Protestant faith, a certain percentage from the Catholic faith, and percentage from whatever. And final question, we've got um, a meeting of Northern Ireland to Askell Executive tomorrow and uh, the executives both in SLS Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, England tend to have similar issues. So the first issue is always funding. One issue is usually mental health of children but also of staff. The other one in other places tends to be recruitment and retention. Is that still less of an issue here? It's not 
as big an issue here. Sometimes when when schools are appointing, they may find it difficult to get the very highest calibre uh, of staff. But generally, we still have an oversupply of teachers. And indeed, one of our best exports from Northern Ireland, sadly, is our young people. And we export many teachers across to Scotland uh, and England each year. Great, thank you. My name is Jackie McGuinness and I'm principal here at Priory Integrated College in Hollywood. Uh, how, how long have you been here, Jackie? I've been here seven years now um, and it's been a, um, a challenging and really exciting seven years. We've had a long process of change and improvement um, and inspection process um, and uh, well the challenges are ongoing and equally exciting. Um, looks from where I'm as if that inspection process is helping to set an agenda for you isn't it? It is yes um, and, and has been ultimately um, while it's been a long and arduous process it's also helped us to stay very focused on the things that we needed to focus on um, and there has been a relentless focus on outcomes for students um, and uh, we're, great believer, we're great believers here that the quality of people learning comes from the quality of teaching. Uh, it's been it's, yeah, very, very striking to me, yeah. but sitting in your office looking at your long-term development plan and an absolute mm -hmm. focus on teaching and learning and pedagogy. It's yeah. a difficult time. It, it's the same across Northern Ireland, isn't it? There's That's industrial right. action, there's not That's enough right. funding and so on. That's right. But you've got an optimism behind it. And just mm -hmm. give, give us a, a feeling of what you've been trying to do in terms of the literacy theme. Well, we started off really, um, we realised that um, for a lot of teachers who are not English specialists, literacy can be a bit daunting for them. They wonder how they're going to fit into that kind of whole school initiative. So we asked, we, we asked all the staff, where, where should we start? And they, they basically identified a few areas that were very much focused on um, how to enable children to perform well in examinations, as you might expect. Um, so that's where we began. We decided to start at that point, at the point at which teachers felt the children needed to go. Um, there are benefits and drawbacks from starting at that point, but I think the big benefit for us is that it has um, built the, the confidence of staff beyond the English department to really get involved with the literacy initiative and take it forward in a meaningful way in their subject area. And what's striking from my point of view, as you know, my background is literacy, is A, you started from the staff saying, so what should our priorities be? And I think that's quite an enlightened approach. Yeah. Secondly, you're saying there are no quick hits, there's no gimmicks, this is going to take a long time. You're giving real commitment to that in your plan. And thirdly, within the constraints you've got, you're saying, how will we know whether we're having an impact? What, what are we doing there? So actually getting students to come and give you feedback on that is, is, seems to me very, very good practice. Well, we, we, we had to do that because in the light of um, action short of strike action, um, there were limits to the, um, the, 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 the opportunities to get into the classroom and, and, and observe lessons. So it was a case really of looking at students' books and talking to them. Um, so student voice and um, the, the samples of pupils' work that they brought to their focus groups has really been um, invaluable to us to determine what we, we know the teachers are working hard on these things, but what actually is the impact on the learning? Mm. Um, and the pupils have been able to tell us. So 
in the face of adversity, we've actually found a really, really interesting and exciting and empowering method of evaluating learning. Empowering I, I, I for think the that, students. I think that, you know? I've just, yeah. just been, as you know, I've been in several lessons, just been in a mm. health and social care GCSE lesson where the absolute attention to the vocabulary those students would need yeah. and the tone, but also then the grammar, the punctuation. And for those students to talk so confidently about that, which you might expect in an English lesson, and they were doing it because it was going to help them to do better in their health and social care. That's right. That has to be a message about why literacy matters to every teacher. Absolutely. And, and I, I think it is. I think that message is getting out there amongst the staff. Um, uh, as an English teacher, I would also be a great believer in literacy as being a life skill as well. And yes, it is important for passing examinations, but literacy is important for everything in life. And it's about ensuring that if we, if we let children walk out of our school gates without the necessary level of literacy, they are going to be so disadvantaged in, in all aspects of their life. So as educators, we, we have to have that responsibility as central to what we do. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. My name is Deidre Scarlett and I am a member of the senior leadership team of Priory Integrated College and I head up learning and teaching. And we've also got... My name is Alison Watterson and I'm the Vice Principal of Priory Integrated College um, and I look after curriculum um, matters within the college. Uh, Deidre, let's talk about vocabulary because one of the things that the staff said is that we think that vocabulary is something we should focus on. You have certainly done that, so give us a flavour of what you've been doing. Uh, An audit revealed that the staff felt that pupils needed to use specialist vocabulary um, with accuracy and with confidence. So we, we started a long journey in this. We encouraged departments to make their own vocabulary booklets and this went very well with Key Stage 3 Junior School. We also uh, used the iPad because we're an iPad Apple Distinguished School and we looked at the idea of audios and recordings to help pupils learn the different keywords in their subject. We introduced a range of strategies to show staff how to teach these keywords, everything from games and activities to word cubes to graphic organisers to concept wheels and we spent a lot of time just over a year training staff on how to use these strategies to teach specialist vocabulary in their in their subject as you walk around the classrooms jeff you might have seen keyword boards and we try and keep those changing for every lesson so the keyword board focuses on the keywords of that lesson rather than just being a static display that has been certainly for me as a practicing teacher that has been a wonderful strategy and i have seen the impact of that on pupils understanding of the vocabulary in my subject it's very good. You've also you've got a, a staff development group built around literacy. You're using uh, iTunes U so that people can get resources and share those resources. You're really trying to get this into the bloodstream of the staff, aren't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. It's a long journey. I would say to anybody listening, literacy is a very long journey, journey that needs embedded. We're trying to do it step by step, and we started where the staff wanted us to start, which was on 
if they can't speak it, if they can't know, if they don't know the actual words and what they mean, they can't put it on paper. And that's why we started with vocabulary and linked with that exam command words as well. And we know from people like James Britton, Deborah Myhill, that speaking and listening underpins everything else. So Alison, I just want to ask you about a shift of focus to speaking and listening, but in particular you're talking to teachers about teacher questioning. What, what kind of work, I know it's early days here, but what kind of things are you thinking about? It is very much early days for that, um, and really where we started looking at effective questioning was because we felt, as you said, that if pupils can't say it, they can't write it down. Um, but we are trying to look at, um, well, Bloom's technology, uh, taxonomy um, is one of the strategies. Um, but starting simple um, and trying to plan questions within the class and looking very much at asking fewer questions but asking the right <laughs> questions, Correct. being smart with your questioning um, and if you plan the question then you should get uh, a more effective answer back from the pupils but not giving them time, giving pupils time to think about their answer looking back at what Deirdre's been doing about stop and pause, the thinking time that we need um, and not um, not stopping a pupil from thinking outside of the box and giving them the scaffolding that they need to be able to do that so we've started using some um, starter questions, questions put out on desks for teachers to use and also for pupils to use thinking about starting um, of questions very much we're modelling what we're wanting the, the pupils to do when they're starting to write out their answers. It's interesting, um, just as a, a last point, that you, when I first arrived here, you, you said we want to be a kind of evidence-based school. And so, you know, here you've got a range of different books in, in the background from people writing about aspects of literacy and pedagogy and so on. Um, I think that's one of the most striking things I'm sensing. A, you're choosing to focus on the right things and then giving it time rather than allowing yourself to get distracted you're learning externally from reading research and then you're within the constraints you've got trying to evaluate what impact that's got that would kind of summarize the approach wouldn't it uh, very much so um and realizing sometimes that we as leaders have tried to move a little bit too fast um and it's important for ourselves to, to do our own self-evaluation um, so that we have been able to reflect on that and be able to say actually do you know what there's times where um, we need to make sure that we do the right things at the right time um, and allow the, 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 the best will of the school to keep moving forward, knowing that you're going to take the majority of people with you and some people will go very much at maybe their own pace. Um, we differentiate for pupils, we need to differentiate for, for staff as well. Um, but trying to infuse that self-evaluative culture across the school um, particularly with our middle leaders. Mm. Um, we as senior teachers have been doing that reflection. We now need to get our middle leaders doing that self-evaluation themselves as well and being able then to identify what is working and doing more of what is working well. Um, uh, and therefore, they then start to see the, um, the whole point of why they evaluate. Mm. Um, well, I very often sit in offices and hear the rhetoric of what schools are doing, and it's been a pleasure walking around and seeing the reality of that and seeing in all of those lessons a genuine sense of teachers understanding that literacy is not something in its own right. It's something that underpins children's learning very, very effectively, and to see children using technology, using their iPads, 
again, not because it's technology, but because it's a, a window into a different world that's going to help them. All of that's been great. So thanks so much for inviting me here. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, you so you. much indeed. Thank you. I'm Nicola Connery, school principal of Strathairn School we'll, in Belfast. We'll keep walking through. Just tell, tell us um, a little bit about this school, because it, it feels pretty new. Yes, it is. It was finished in 2014, the last phase of it, and it's a brand new build, costs £17 million. Pounds. Wow, and it feels fantastic as you yes. walk in. But as you as you were saying before, it's not about the building; it's about the students. No, so tell us, students. tell us who we've got. Who are your so students? So we have seven hundred and seventy all girls environment um, from eleven to eighteen year olds. Um, they come in through a system of an entrance exam, and then they stay with us for the next seven years. Uh, you said something interesting earlier, which is that the things that happen outside the classroom for you are as important as inside the mm -hmm. classroom. Just explain why. Um, I think for our girls, they're high achievers inside the classroom, but they need to find outlets to expand their achievements outside the classroom. So music, sport and drama would be the main areas that they extend into. However, we have a policy in the school that if any child has an idea, that they'll take it to the vice principal. And so we have a board games club. We have mm -hmm. other different clubs and societies that sometimes don't last forever, but they fill a niche at the time. Anything that a child feels they can achieve of. Our library would be a very strong area as well. So we would do bar mock trials and um, they would go off to the House of Lords and do debates and whatnot uh, as well. It's so. my territory, that. I'm interested in that. So. And just one, one other thing. So what, when, when your girls finish, so the majority of them will move into the sixth form yes, here, yes, I take it. Yes, right? most choose to stay. And at the end of that, where do they go to? We would have still a very high uptake to third level education. So about 85% would move forward to university courses probably another 10% to third level courses, maybe at um, technical colleges within Northern Ireland, and about 5% maybe gap year placement work, yeah. but most on to university courses. And those that go across the mainland are going to which universities? Um, it'd still be an uptake. Usually it seems to be accessibility now that's a big point for them, mm. and accessibility would be Liverpool, Durham, St Andrews, Edinburgh would be the main ones that oh, they take okay. up, but we've still a few going to Oxbridge as well. Um, there is one last thing, actually, because you said something before which I just want to pick up on. You've been ahead at this school for a couple of years mm -hmm. and uh, previously uh, yeah. somewhere else for two years. And you were saying downstairs that the job has become more and more stressful yeah. for people. Yeah. What, what are the, the sources of that stress? It's, it's really the accountability. It's the accountability on behalf of you feel that you're making decisions now about on monetary grounds as opposed to educational grounds. When you come in in your morning, what you want to make sure is you're providing the best service possible for the girls. But now that's tempered always, can I afford it? And that's exceptionally difficult. Thanks for joining me. Uh, I'm Amanda McNamee in Lagan College. Just tell us a bit about this college because it was the first college uh, in a very special way, wasn't it? Yes, Lagan was the first integrated college in 1981. It was set up by a group of uh, pioneering parents who wanted to see a different way of education in Northern Ireland. It started off very small with 28 students and now we are a very thriving, all-ability integrated school with 1,382 children. Why was that so groundbreaking, that idea of a, an integrated college? Well, the children in Northern Ireland up until that point had been divided on lines of secondary grammar and had also been divided in the main on lines of religious uh, faith. So to, to be able to come to a school that would welcome children of all faiths and none, of all abilities, from the same family in one space, was groundbreaking in its time. And where did the idea for that em emerge? Who founded the school? The idea came from parents. Parents uh, felt that to send their child to either a classically maintained or controlled school would continue to do things the way it had always been done. In the height of the troubles, a small group of parents under the... Uh, 
under the movement of all children together felt that they wanted to passionately um, start up a school where their children would get to know children of the, uh, of the other faith uh, as their lifelong friends and learn that they could enjoy their differences and be individual but they could also appreciate and respect what made their friends different to them. And we're standing in a sports hall which has got around 200 of your, you call them year 12s, we call, them, we call year 12s, them year 11 yeah. on the mainland in England I suppose. Uh, and what are they doing? So today our year 12 students um, are coming here to look at uh, their pathway uh, onwards from GCSE uh, courses. We're offering them not only the thought of either staying on at school to study a range of A-levels and BTEC A-levels, but to also think about whether maybe further education college and technical college would be more and more appropriate pathways. So we offer every child the opportunity to look at all the pathways and then we make sure that they have an informed choice of what they want to do next. We're really proud of where all our children go. Not everybody decides to stay on at school and I'm very proud of the children who decide not to because they're following uh, their heart and they're going to a course that's going to suit their learning and their onward career path better. I think what's um, quite distinctive from my point of view, you've got your subject departments here with staff and students talking about why you might want to study politics and so on, but you've also got other providers here, haven't you? Yeah, we have outside training organisations, uh, apprenticeship schemes, and we have the local uh, regional colleges, uh, technical colleges coming in. You know, there's nothing to be, nothing to fear from all the, all the other organisations that are, can offer children, young people courses that we haven't got the specialism or the teaching to do. We want to work in a symbiotic way with our um, colleagues from further education. We don't want to compete for children. We want children to be on the right pathway. That's more of a, a decision on grounds of um, morality and conscience for us as a school. Last question, and, and you know, when you talk about morality and conscience, you kind of reinforce the question I'm going to ask, which is about the values of this place. And we went on our tour earlier on to um, the kind of chaplaincy area. Um, why, why in a school which is all about integration, uh, where you're not selecting through ability, there's no selection around faith or anything like that, why, why is that area so significant here? Based on the troubles that we have experienced in all nine through the, the past decades, we have to make sure that we don't make mistakes of the past. So we have to make sure that we are providing spaces and places where children can talk and can come and be open. You know, we don't want to be afraid of talking about controversial issues, issues that are happening in our community, such as maybe racism, uh, sectarianism, homophobia. We want the children to feel confident they can come and speak without fear, um, without... Uh, judgment and that they can think about what the future for their world they would like to, it to look like. We tell our children you are going to be the peacemakers of the future wherever your pathway is going to be and we take that seriously. To do that we've got to give the children the skills of how to be diplomatic with one another, how to be resilient, how to listen properly to somebody else's point of view, how not to fight and to fall out in that way to try and reconcile and put things better. So even though we've been an integrated school for 38 years, we can't sit on our laurels, we can't believe that we have everything sorted. We have children who come here every day with normal childhood challenges, and we have children who come here every day and they maybe come from a divided uh, community background, and we have to teach them the skills of how they become a child who attends an integrated school and end up leaving us to be a peacemaker for the future. I love that idea that you're creating the peacemakers yeah. of the future. It's an incredibly inspiring school, Amanda. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's lovely to see you. Well, as I said at the start of the podcast, you can kind of sense the optimism of people here. It doesn't feel optimistic to them. It feels pretty bleak, actually, in terms of industrial action in their classrooms. 
the need for people to grasp nettles politically, the lack of funding, all of that kind of thing. And yet, and yet, what I see is great leaders working with great teachers in a whole range of different schools doing the very best for them. And uh, as always, it's been a real pleasure coming across, spending time in and around Belfast in this instance, uh, and, and meeting so many great members here in Northern Ireland. The Askell Leadership Podcast with Jeff Barton.